return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. For a second, if you brought your Bible, say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Welcome to the tabernacle. Uh, those of you wearing masks, God bless you. We encourage people to wear masks. Uh, there's masks in the foyer if you want a mask. Uh, uh, of course, sanitizing stations and all that. So uh, just to keep yourself safe. Amen. You can sit wherever you want as well. Keep yourself safe. Thank you, Jesus. Let me do a couple quick review things. We just talked a little on God's provision. Philippians 4.19 just says, My God shall supply and he will supply all. Of our needs. You'll liberally supply to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The context of this is resources, actually. And so God wants to take care of his people. And there's a reason for that is because he wants you blessed so you can bless this world. Amen. So that's the reason God wants to bless you. It's not so we get things. It's so we have our needs taken care of, but so we can do things for the gospel's sake. Amen. Deuteronomy 8.18. Now, you should write these verses down if you've not been around or so forth, or if you're just listening, we welcome you. But Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember your God, it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So God actually gives people the ability to gain resources, all right? This, this is physical things. He gives people the ability through through our jobs, through the things that we do. He gives us abilities to gain wealth. And that's important, again, to understand. Now, the purpose is to expand the gospel, to extend the gospel, to establish his covenant. So the purpose is to share Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the reason. There's, that's the purpose of prosperity. Amen? Your money has a mission. And these things are important to understand. Hallelujah. Then we go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. This again, the context is resources. But he's able to make all grace, every favor, earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Say abundance. That just means more than enough, right? So we all have needs. The thing is, sometimes we want to, we wanna, if we get really blessed, we keep expanding our needs rather than missing what he wants to do. We miss what he wants to do. So, so he's able to make this grace come to us in, so that we can have every earthly blessing, favor in abundance. Now notice what it says. So you, this is the Great Commission, may always under all circumstances, whatever the need be self-sufficient <clears throat> that you're taken care of. Amen. Possessing enough to require no aid or support. Then it's furnished in abundance for every 
good work and charitable donation. So he wants to furnish you and I all sufficiency, all things were abounding here, but furnish you and I so that we can do the work of the gospel. Amen. Amen? So, so in other words, he wants to use you. So many times people make spreading the gospel a prayer issue. Folks, prayer only cracks the door. Then you have to put feet to your prayers. Amen? So you can pray till the cows come home, so to speak, but nothing's going to happen until you do something. Because God, God sent his spirit to us to evangelize. How many know the angels are not here to evangelize? No, no. How many know the Holy Spirit isn't evangelizing? He sent us to his people to evangelize people. So if you want the world to change, then you have to do something. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. In other words, we can't sit idly still. All right? So we have to, we have to put feet to our prayers to share the gospel, to share Jesus. When I say the gospel, I'm saying Jesus Christ. Amen? We're sharing good news. We're not beating the Bible over people's heads. Not doing that. We're sharing good news. We're telling people about how good God is. Now, these scriptures I just read, the Bible pertains to everybody in the world. So if you're listening to me from some other country, it's the same for you. This is not an American gospel. It's not an American book. It's not for white people. It's for everybody. So I want you to know that this gospel is for you. Scriptures all through the Bible that God will provide are for us, you and I. Amen. You can believe this as well as us. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. I, I feel bad. So many people in America, act, all their t- they're just tunnel vision in America. No, we're here to reach the world. This book works the same around the world. God wants to take care of us. Amen. He wants to provide for us. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. I'm repeating some things, of course, because faith just sometimes it's got to soak in. You know, you throw water on dry ground. A lot of times it just runs off. But if it can sit there a little bit, maybe it'll start soaking in and soften things. And people begin to think a little bit more like, hey, wait a minute. This is for me. Hey, I can believe this. I can trust God for this. So it's for anybody listening to me right now. It's a good news. Amen. It's a good news gospel. So so we want to share it with other people. We want to help other people. We help people all over the world, my wife and I and this church and stuff. And yet we tell people, you have to trust the same God we do. Amen. His name, one of the names is Jehovah Jireh. You will see the Lord's provision when you trust him. Amen. He'll take care of you. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at a couple things. Proverbs, Proverbs 21 a second. Sometimes there's hindrances, of course, just to prosperity or provision. And one of those hindrances is just loving pleasure. So if you love pleasure, you're going to be a poor guy. So in other words, we don't, we're in this world, but folks, you don't want to love this world. You know, so for the fact that Jesus is coming, some people are so in love with the world. Even Christians are so in love with the world, like, oh, he's coming, you know, like I'm going to miss this place. No, you, you shouldn't miss this place. You should want to leave this at the appropriate time to join the Lord in heaven. So our hearts cannot, although we have things here, our, ha- our hearts cannot be in things. Incidentally, the storage business in the United States is booming. 
The word of the Lord to storage business for people doing all that is just give it away. Your heart can't be in stuff. You have to just, just what, what's so important about it? I mean, if it's important, have it in your house. Otherwise, give it away. We have, we have massive, massive amounts of excess that we can give to others, help others, share with others, be generous. Amen. These are things we do. We do these things. So, so you can't love pleasure. You love pleasure. The Bible says you'd be a poor man because you're always going to be, you're going to be trying to satisfy the flesh, which is never satisfied. All right. So you're not going to satisfy this flesh. So you have to curb that appetite and bring it into control. Incidentally, there's an unholy trinity. You know what the unholy trinity is? It's money, sex, and power. All right. So there's things you have to deal with. You have things you have to deal with in your life. You have, to, you have to deal with money. You have to deal with the fact that you're a sexual being. You have to deal with food. There's all kinds of things that you have to deal with. Now, I don't have to, I don't have, to have alcohol. Hallelujah. Don't need drugs. Hallelujah. But there's other things that you still have to manage. You have to manage your appetite for things. All right? You have to manage that. You have to keep it under control. The Holy Spirit helps us to control, helps us to control what I want with my money, helps us to control what I, sexual desires, confined to marriage, helps us to control appetites, food desires. Amen? So in other words, you can't just do whatever you want to do. No, you're subject to the, subject to the Lord and to, to, the, to the Holy Spirit governing our lives. Amen? Proverbs 23, again, if you follow the things of the world, the, the booze and the things of the world and so forth, they're go, you're going to come to poverty. Laziness will bring you to poverty. So, so I mean, it's amazing how expensive habits are. <laughs> I'm talking about worldly habits. They're very, very expensive. Someone, someone quits, quits booze and the things like that. All of a sudden, wow, I got money in my pocket. So I'm not wasting it on the, all the other stuff. Incidentally, none of the things of the world will ever satisfy us. They don't. There's always a morning after. Someone, someone can feel good for a moment, but there's always a morning after. Jesus comes to satisfy your soul. Comes to make us whole in, on the inside of us. Amen? A scripture we read last week also in Proverbs 13 just talks about heeding, heeding the word of God. So, so a faithful messenger brings, bring, ambassador brings healing. Poverty and shame come to him, comes to him who refuses instruction and correction. He who heeds reproof is honored. Now, the word of God, the word of God and the Holy Spirit come to us all the time. When I'm in the Bible, God is always speaking to me and he's trying to deal with my heart. And if you're listening close to the Lord, he'll instruct you and he'll correct you. In all these things we're talking here as far as financial provision, but then you have to come to a place of, are, are you willing to change? Yeah. Folks, most, most people are living on barely get along street. All right. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Let me just say this. Most people in the United States, the most wealthy, prosperous nation on the planet. And why is that? Because they don't save. Because they don't heed things. It's I want, I want, I want. And if they're out of money, it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. You have to help me out. 
Help me out. Come on, the government's got to help me out. Well, there's no other place on the planet where the government does that. In the United States, they do that. They enable people. They coddle people. They help people to stay poor. They help people to be lazy. They help people not to work. That's very common in the United States. You don't have that in other places. So we have to understand that biblically, biblically, to anybody listening, you have to heed instruction and correction. You should desire in this context, now this is just a message, or we've talked a couple times on this, but just talked on this briefly, but you should desire, I want to change financially. All right, that's kind of the theme here. You should desire to change financially. What can you do to change financially? Well, you can curb your financial appetite, but also you can study. You can improve yourself. Somebody called me this week that's watching online. Bless bless you for watching today. Called me this week and said they've studied and they've read books and so forth. And they're learning to do what? They're learning to save. And now they have, now they want to know about investing. This is not a person who has a big income. This is just someone who's chosen to educate herself in the ways of the Lord. And God is blessing her. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. See, so you have to decide some things. Incidentally, we had our annual meeting. But think about this. Some of you here got your, a report on your giving and so forth. And some of you watching, you give various places. But the real question is, does your giving re- represent your heart for Jesus? Think about it. Does your giving represent your heart for Jesus? The reality is, your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. No giving, no heart. People say, well, I don't have anything. Even the widow who had nothing was giving. And Jesus watched how she gave. Did you ever stop to think Jesus watches offerings? He sure did. He sat apart from the treasury. He sat down and he watched how people were giving. Of course, we know the story. The rich people threw in much. But here came this lady and gave out of her need, gave. And in relation to how much, percentage-wise, Jesus said she gave more. Remember, a tithe is 10%, right? Don't you love God's math? Aren't you glad it's not complicated? You know, like we say, you know, the pi formula, 3.1499, you know, all the different things. You've got to figure it out, the calculator. It's not hard at all. You just move a decimal and there it is. Why? Because he knows us. Probably knows that you're not an expert at math, but he'll help us to do what? What's the point of everything is to honor him. You should think about what you're giving. And just, I'm just telling this to, in anybody. You should think about what you're giving. It's representative of your heart. So you should look at what you, what you, a statement or something. Wow, I should improve. Or wow, we did great last year. Hallelujah. What a wonderful year. Amen. But you should be honest with yourself. Otherwise, you know what we do? We manipulate ourselves to think, well, I love the Lord. I'm doing good. Never do anything. Never give, never write a check, never do anything. Yet, I love the Lord. And Jesus actually might say, I beg to differ. See, people get real touchy on this because like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this. Jesus talked about this a lot. Part of the problem in the American church is nobody wants to address it. Nobody wants to talk about things. But real honor comes, you know, you don't offer something cheap. 
Even in the Old Testament, he said, well, if you were honoring a, a, a notable person, would you bring, would you bring a, a, your sacrifice a lamb? Hey, I got a lamb over here. He's only got three legs that work, but I'll offer that. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. And he said, and yet to your father, you bring, you bring chintzy stuff. As if it doesn't matter. Or at the annual meeting, talking about the ladies went out the other day and they eat at a place. And then right in there it says, How, your tip, 18% or 22%. Nobody at the restaurant's getting up like, well, I'm never coming back to this place again. They're talking about 18%, a minimum, 18%, 22%. I'm not coming back to this place. They're talking about money. No, that wasn't that good. This is, put it down her tongue. Okay. Yet when it comes to God, if people even talk about 10%, which is actually Old Testament. Now we're under a covenant of grace, so it's actually more. But if it comes to God, people stiff God. Well, nobody sees it. Well, what, what are we thinking when we think nobody sees it when Jesus is already watching? What's that mentality? That shows me then people are dull to even the presence of God. Nobody sees it. Nobody really knows. Well, God really knows who sees everything in our lives, including your thoughts right now. He sees everything in our lives. And Christians, of all people, think they can stiff God. Oh, I'm a great Christian. And stiff God. I'm not giving. I'm not giving anything. No, I'm not going to honor the Lord. Well, I'm not going to tithe. Remember John Maxwell, John Maxwell had an offering line, heard him in Sioux Falls years ago, but he actually said someone came up in line and they had financial needs and he actually, and he actually said to them, said, well, you're tithed to your church. And he said, well, no. Oh, he said, I'm not going to pray for you. The, the, the crowd, just, oh, the gasp. And he turned to the people and he said, why would you pray? Someone's robbing God. Now you're asking God to bless them when they're robbing God. That's like hiring a bank robber to be a bank teller. Hey, we're going to have you be a teller. I know you ripped off a thousand last week. You'll be a teller. And he actually said, no, I'm not going to pray for you. I was in that meeting. I heard the, but his point was valid. We ask God for things to do things that we're not willing to do anything ourselves. We ask God for blessings lots of times, but we're not willing to be a blesser. We want him to help us, but we don't want to help anybody else. You hear me? Yeah, I mean, one, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs. Oh, I don't have money to help their meal. I don't have money for their guests. I don't have money to, for that evangelistic movie. I don't have money for that. And what does it come then? It comes all about me, selfishness. When really tithing breaks the back of greed. So we realize, man, I'm just going to honor the Lord because you gave it to me. You gave it to me. Folks, if you don't understand that, there's a big problem. People say sometimes, well, look, there's wealthy people that, that don't have anything. I understand that. I understand. Wealth is not a measure of spirituality. I understand that. We're talking about honoring the Lord here. I've seen people buried. We buried somebody in the cemetery. Their casket was car painted. The designs, they spent thousands and thousands of dollars. And no matter. Going in the ground, dirt's covering that thing. 
Don't matter. You'll never see a U-Haul following a hearse. Everything you've got, if you've got anything, is going to somebody else someday. Everything you have. Everything you have. Everything you hold valuable someday will be somebody else's. One way or another. Either before you die or after you die, it's going to be somebody else's. So you have to think, how are you going to live your life? Because when we leave this life, now we're going to face the one we've been honoring. So when we open our eyes in heaven, it's like, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord. Boy, don't look at, don't look at my heart too, much, too close. We'll get there by his grace, of course. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, honor is an important thing. Honor is an important thing. First Peter 5 just says, all these things happen. The suffering, the attacks of the enemy, poor teaching, they, all that happens around the world, okay? So, so the enemy comes, the enemy attacks, the enemy incidentally is the devil. The devil's the author of poverty. The devil wants people poor. You need to understand that. Jesus never blessed poorness, poverty. Poor in spirit is not poverty. It's humility towards God, reverence towards God. So Jesus was always in a place where people would have enough. Understand me now. He traveled for three years too. All his needs were taken care of. So, so the enemy comes. The enemy comes to fight us financially. Now, of course, physically, every, every way. But we're focusing on finances here. So we should resist poverty. Can you say amen? Amen. If you resist poverty, you should want to do something that would cause you to move forward. Forward. Knowing you should know the same experiences by your brothers and sisters are happening around the world. Folks, there's not a place that Jeannie and I don't go that we find a lot of poor people. Whether it's the United States, whether it's some other country, the poor are everywhere. And Jesus actually said the poor will always be with you. Isn't that amazing? You can give away, you could give away all your money today, and next week there'll still be more needs. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 12 for a second. Remember a thing that we spoke before, principle of the path. Your direction, not your intentions, will lead to your destination. We had the ant up here last week, the little ant, and talked about how that ant is a saver. We talk uh, Super Bowls next weekend. So the quarterback, the quarterback, how do you know what direction the quarterback's going to throw? You look at the direction of his feet. All right? So if my feet are facing this way, I'm not throwing that way. You, you throw in the direction of your feet. Now, I understand occasionally someone wants to throw across their body. They might be a pro and do that, but normally you don't. You train people to throw, set up, and throw in the direction that your feet are pointing. That's the direction you're going to go. Notice your feet, if you stand up, your feet are always facing forward. The full armor of God is always facing forward. God has never intended you to run backwards. He's intended you to go forward. People sometimes use the prayer, and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Like, like the devil is attacking with gates of hell. They're gates of hell. You don't attack someone with gates. Oh, let me pull up this big gate and I'll attack the church with this gate. 
No, it means the, the church is attacking the gates of hell. And the gates of hell will not keep the church out. In other words, the church is going to progress, take more ground, take back the ground from the enemy, do more things for the kingdom, more people are going to get saved. The devil is already defeated. Even financially, think about this. The devil's already defeated. What do you got to do then? Take some ground. Educate yourself. Grow in your finances. Again, too many people relegate things to prayer. Well, I'm I'm just praying about this. Honey, keep praying, but do something. (laughs) Do something. What do you have? You know, the Elijah, Elisha said, what do you have in your hand? They said a pot of oil. Do something with your pot of oil. Do something with what you have. And I'm not talking about spending it. I'm not talking about spending it, all right? Incidentally, the guy with the pot of the, the widow, she was the widow. Her dad, her husband had been a minister. Okay, her husband had been a minister. Now the credit, her husband dies. The creditors are coming to take her two sons, which they, which they can do by law to pay the debt. In other words, the minister was a poor uh, manager of finances, so poor that he obligated his two sons on the debt. So he's dead now. She's crying out to God because he was a poor manager. Now, thank God he's gracious. Amen. He is gracious. He shows up. Hallelujah. (laughs) And we might do a lot of things wrong. God will still show up when we cry out to him. Amen. Humble yourself before the Lord. But now her kids are obligated, her boys, to pay this bill. And the prophet shows up. And at that point, the pot of oil and the oils manifested. And what is the thing after the oil was all stopped? He said, bring me another bottle, not another bottle. And they said, the oil stopped. And he said, what? He said, go pay your debt. What happens when people get a lot of money? I kind of like that car. I think I'm going to get that car. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought your credit card debt and all this other debt over here. But people's eyes get ahead of them. Yeah, I got money now. I got money in my pocket. It's kind of burning. I want to spend it. And the prophet said, don't spend it on that. Pay your debt. And what's left, you can live on it. That's a lot of money, folks. First of all, it was enough debt that her sons are going into slavery to pay it. Then it's paid, and he said, you can live on the rest. Now, what does that mean? You've got to invest it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't waste it. I have known people, the older I get, I know a lot of stories, but I've known people, they've got inheritance and blew it all, thousands of dollars. Boom, poof, out in the wind. And I'm not talking about nobodies. Some of them were ministers. We've never had that in our lives, but I've seen it in others. And here comes an inheritance. Here comes thousands of dollars and whoopee! And I'm thinking, what are you doing? And they did not want to listen to me, by the way. I know these people. They did not want to listen to me. Let's not talk to Dave about this stuff. Dave might have us save it. Yeah, what a novel idea. Pay your debt and save it. There's so much we can learn from the Bible. The Bible is so applicable to everyday life. People make it such a, such a Twilight Zone book, you know, you can't understand it. Folks, it should be simple. It's not complicated. Like the easy button. That was easy. I have an easy button in my office, by the way. 
That was easy. It's not hard. It's not complicated, right? So these things are things you have to work with. Let's run out of time. Luke chapter 12. Take heed, beware of covetousness. Covetousness is desiring what somebody else has. And it brings problems. Boy, you talk about problems. A family, someone, a family member dies or both parents die. And if they don't have a will and things aren't set out really clearly, you know what? People are going to fight over that money. Joe Robbie is a prime example who owned the Miami Dolphins, and the stadium was named after him in Miami with Super Bowl, all these, not Super Bowl, the national championship game, all these things were at. Multi, multi millionaire, never had a will. Oh, dad died, dad died, dad died, put him in the ground. I want that. And they fought and they sued for years, and nothing is left. Attorneys got rich, the stadium was sold. All, all of it was in disgrace because no planning. He was a South Dakota boy. Should have known better. Beware of covetousness. People will want what you've got. I always tell people this, and you should all understand this, and some of you that are graduating with higher degrees, Ph.D. degrees, and so forth, and you're going to have a great income. Hallelujah. If you have money... Listen to me closely. Don't tell people. You know why? Because people will want it. You can let your kids know a little bit. I wouldn't tell them everything because they're going to want it. I want what you've got. You should pay me. You owe me. Help me out here. Entitlement. If you have money, don't tell people. Use it as with wisdom of God and so forth. But we're... Careful of covetousness. Now, notice what it says. Life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Wow. That should be out for America, shouldn't it? That's why we have a storage business. Life consists of all my things. <laughs> I got to build a bigger garage, more garages, because now I got this thing, and I got a camper, and a boat, and I got a, a jet ski, and I got a four wheeler, and I got all these things. And most of those things prevent people from going to church because they're too busy having fun. Let's look at, let's look at it. I think it's in the Amplified too. It says, uh, uh, guard yourself. Keep free from all covetousness, the immoderate desire for wealth. Immoderate. Now, it's out of control, all right? The greedy longing to have more. A man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. Pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? Amen? Pretty clear. Luke chapter 16. We should be wise financially. So the master commended the unjust manager, not for his misdeeds. Remember the guys went out and said, hey, you owe him, you owe him 100, pay 50. You know, he, he broke it down. Commended him because he acted shrewdly by preparing his future unemployment for the sons of this age, the non-believers are shrewder in relation to their own kind, that is, to the ways of the secular world, than are the sons of the light. Let me just say this. Many times, Christians act like money is anathema. It's taboo. It's, it's money is the devil. Money is money. It, 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 it's amoral. Here's my $20 bill. So if my $20 bill is, is setting here, 
and no one's touching it, it's amoral, meaning it's neither good nor bad until it's in somebody's hands. Right? If it's in a Christian's hands, it should be good because they're going to honor God. They're supposed to. Amen? Should be good because they're supposed to honor God. If it's in the world's hands, probably not good. Now, the children of the world seem to be wiser, though, when it comes to financial things. See, because Christians act like, no, no, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And say, yeah, the love of money is, but not money. Money's not the root of anything. Money is just money. If you can use it to take care of your needs, but also then to advance the kingdom, hallelujah. You should decide you're going to educate yourself. I've talked about that before. I'm not going to go into that, but you can educate yourself. Somebody called me on that. Thankfully, they did. They're educating themselves. Educate yourself on finances. Rather than having interest work against you, what if interest worked for you? What if, it, what if it wasn't like, oh, what's the interest rate at the bank like on the loan? What's the interest rate on saving? Amen. See, lots of people think, you know, I, I just don't know anything about that. Then where do you start? You start by reading. Maybe reading a financial page. You can read things on your phone on retirement or saving or investments. You can read all kinds of stuff. People think, I just, but it's, it's all different terms. And that's how you learn terms. What's your return on your investment? You begin to learn things. You learn about money working for you, not against you. We have people in this church who paid off their house. You know why? Because they've just taken heed to all these things through the years. They paid off their house. People have no house payment. They have no car payment. They have no payments. Can you say hallelujah? Yeah, we have someone, people in this church that, that they decided they, they were going to take care of debt, so they weren't going to use their credit card. you know how long that's been? One year. One year that they have not used their credit card. Think of that. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Because they made a decision to change things. Amen. That's a good thing. Amen? Amen? It's a good thing if you're going to take care of stuff. Now, we read, we read last week Proverbs chapter 6. This is the Message Bible. But again, just good to go over this. Consider the ant. It says, you lazy fool, look at the ant. <laughs> Which is pretty easy. In other words, the guy... The guy's just sitting on the step and he's watching the ground, not working, but looking at the ants. And, and Proverbs, the, the author, you know, Solomon and so forth, you can learn from this. Watch closely. It'll teach you something. Nobody has to tell the ant what to do. It stores up food all summer. Isn't that amazing? Stockpile, stores provisions, so forth. The ant can carry 10 to 50 times its body weights. What's the ant always doing? It's saving, 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 store, store, store. Does the ant eat? Sure, the ant eats. But you don't see ants, you know, you don't, you don't walk around and see, well, it's a huge ant, you know. Well, maybe it's a different species, but it's not because he gorged himself. He's got a limited diet. He can only eat so much. But he's a saver. And he's a saver for the rainy day. He's a saver for the different season. Go to the next verses there a second, nine and following. So how long are you going to la- be lazy, looking around, doing nothing? So, so... Turn to your neighbor and say, you have to do something. You have to do something, right? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, taking a day off and so forth. What comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. People, the, the, we had a handout here at the annual meeting and so forth. And people, people think, you know, 
boy, America, just there's no prosperity. People don't have things and so forth. No prosperity? No prosperity? And that was the premise of this article written by an MD, a girl getting her MDA degree in Florida. No prosperity? When people can get cars and they got the nice phones and they have drinking their lattes. I see the high school kids coming out of Hy-Vee with their expensive drinks and so forth. And these kids have never seen prosperity. It's really hard. Really doesn't grab my heart, folks. It just doesn't grab my heart. That's all they've seen is prosperity. That's all they've seen is excess. That all they've seen is mommy and daddy. Here, honey, here's another 20. That's all they've seen is prosperity. They haven't seen a depression. They haven't seen world wars. They haven't lived through anything. Prosperity is rampant in this country. Anybody who says different doesn't understand. There's, they've never been to any other place. Remember years ago, uh, we had a gal from South Dakota, and she married a Nigerian. He was a medical doctor and so forth. Their vision was to build a hospital, which is exactly what they did. They started with the clinic and then built a hospital. And she was a nurse. He was a doctor. And when he first came to the United States, and he got certified in the United States and medically and so forth, and then did what worked, worked like nine months of the year, and they just threw tens of thousands of dollars. No, it was Nigeria. To helping things, medical, for people didn't have health care and so forth like that. So when he first comes, and I'm, I'm visiting with him in the offices and so forth, and he's just quiet. I said, uh, I said, you know, you're just new. Yeah, I'd been here a week, a week or two weeks or something. And then he said, then he, you know, started asking questions. He said, does everybody have a phone here? I said, yeah, most do. He said, does everybody have a car? Yeah, most do. I said, did you have a car? No, never drove. Only rode his bike, never had driven a car, didn't know how to drive a car. Didn't have anything else of this world. But he's a doctor, medical doctor. And he took, of course, all that, and thank you, Jesus, held on to good convictions and began to do tremendous things in his home country to help people. But Americans, oh, kids got to have a car. Of course, if some of you are old enough, you remember your high school day. The parking lot for, for cars was pretty small, right? Because the only people that had cars were, were, were farm kids. They are working on the farm and driving and so forth. I mean, of course, they knew how to drive. City kids didn't know how to drive. Nobody had cars. Now the parking lots are acres because everybody's got to have a car. And then people say, oh, this country is... The, Economic climate's really difficult and people can't get ahead. That is a stench in the nostrils of God. That is so far from the truth, it doesn't even say ballpark. Political people get on those bandwagons, say, Jesus was a socialist. He shared everything. That's wrong. Wrong. Biblically illiterate people pick up things and pretty soon you got all this going on and it never helped anybody. Oh, I've seen socialism firsthand in other countries where people couldn't care less. You go to stay someplace and, you know, they're paid. Well, what do you want? Oh, that place down there? Okay. You can have this room. That we're staying at a government facility. You can have this room down there. That's why I carry various repellents. Go in the room, you know, and, of course, this is, this is where we're staying with the big spiders and the big, big everything else, and this hasn't been cleaned, and God knows when. But they're getting paid. 
but there's no incentive to work. There's no incentive to clean. There's no incentive to do better. And yet, this is what our government wants. Let's, let's just help everybody out here. And of course, there's no cent- incentive then to progress. I digress. Let's go back. You have to plan to prosper. We said this, to fail to plan is a plan to fail, right? If, if, if good, intentions, good intentions are a poor plan, you know, I really want to, I really hope to, hope is a poor plan. Your direction, your actions are going to lead to a destination. And let me capsulize this in actions. Your actions, the plan you're following should have actions. If you don't have actions, then you're, you're going nowhere. Amen? Write this down. Your outflow has to exceed your income. Your outflow, your... your Excuse me. Your outflow, if your outflow exceeds your income, excuse me. If your outflow exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. In other words, pretty soon now you're paying, paying, paying on debt with high interest, and it causes people to go down. It's easy to spend. I know this. It's easy to spend. But that's why we have to control these things. What's your destination? What's your destination? Do you want to take a vacation? Plan for it. You want to plan for Christmas? You should plan for it, right? If you want to have debt, debt reduction, you should plan for it. It means you spend a little more each month on debt to pay it down. If you want to retire, who wants to retire someday? Or maybe do a little less, and you have to plan for it. That's actions. When do you want to plan for it before it happens? When do you prepare for something before it happens? How do you know if you're on track for your destination? If I'm going to Kansas City, how do I know I'm on track for that? I can look at mile markers. Going down the road, I see the mile markers. Oh, we're getting close. Or you can look at the cities. You say, well, I passed Sioux City. I'm on my way. Well, I, I passed Omaha. I'm on my way. I passed St. Joe. I'm on my way. There's mile markers. How do you know you're on any track? Do you have any markers? Do you have any goals? If your goal is an emergency fund and you needed, say, $3,000, well, so that's, a, that's a marker, okay? Then you start... And if you get three months down the road and you got 20 bucks, you realize, not doing very well, are we? So you have to change your behavior. Yeah, but I love that latte. But I love going out to eat there. I love. Why don't you just stay home and cook? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be a good cook. You can be a good cook. Anybody can. And you can spend less. At home and probably healthier, right? So you have mile markers. If my goal is that emergency fund and I want $3,000 in it, say, then I have to look and see how have I progressed it over the last three months. And we have to be honest. No excuses. Right? Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. This happened, This came up. and I, I understand all of that. I really do. And God does. But unless we make changes to save, we're never going to get ahead. You get your emergency fund set up, then, then what do you do? You keep going. Say, keep going. You keep saving more money so that you can put it away in a high interest account. You keep saving more money. And you get there and you say, what do you do then? You save some more money so you can invest it. So you can make money on your money. 
I understand this is a tough climate right now in Wall Street and so forth. And yet, and yet there's ways to keep saving. Amen. See, you have to tell yourself this is a good area. Everybody wants to eat. Yes, yes. But let's save a little more so you can eat a little longer. Amen. Amen. See, then, then you can, you have to have foresight to think. See, when we got married, before we got married, you know, we're at SDSU, there's a Jesus movement, people, things are happening. We think, boy, should we even get married? Jesus is coming back. And then we thought, well, let's get married. We got married. Glad we did. Now we've got grandchildren that, that are getting older and older. But, you know, people think, well, will I, will I ever reach that age, retirement age? And it's like, well, if Jesus doesn't come back, you will, so you better start now. See, people get older, they get older, have nothing, and they say, you should help me. And other people are thinking, why? Because you didn't plan ahead? Your lack of planning doesn't constitute an emergency for me. I see, I see non-planners all the time. Oh, I got all these days, I got these days. I hear that all the time, folks, all around the world. All the time. That's not an emergency to me. And it's not to Jesus either. Jesus didn't run, oh, I better help them now because they didn't plan, they didn't honor me, they didn't do anything. No, better help them. No, no. What am I going to do today to change my tomorrow? What am I going to do today to, to arrive at this destination that's out there? It might be a long way, but what am I going to do to change? Instruction, correction are good. Amen. So that means I have to discipline myself following the markers Daily decisions, write down daily decisions. My daily decisions is, you know, I don't need that cup of coffee out there. I'm going to drink one at home for 10 cents rather than spending two bucks. That's, that was a good investment right there. I made a lot of money on that one. So decisions, daily decisions help us to get on the right, go in the right direction. Amen requires discipline and sacrifice. And let me tell you, patience is a key to prosperity. You follow people, everybody wants it now, and uh, it doesn't work that way. Patience. Stay on the road, keep working. Say work! Say save! Some of you are getting this. You stay on that road, and you find yourself blessed. Work, saving, time, patience, you find yourself blessed. A couple quick scriptures. Proverbs 3. Let's go to Proverbs 3 a second. Just do it God's way. He'll instruct you. Lean on him. Be confident in the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding. Let's rely on the word of God. Amen? Let's rely on the word of God. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him. Now, all your ways includes your finances, by the way. Your fi- bring your finances into your Christian life. It includes that. So you acknowledge the Lord. You recognize, okay, Lord, you're my provider. You know everything. You can help me here. And guess what? He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. He'll show you things to do. He'll direct your spending. He'll direct your saving. He'll direct your giving. Because he's that kind of a God. If we acknowledge him, I found when I bring him into my life, I acknowledge him. 
He accepts the offer. He says, oh, I'll help you, Dave. And he guides us. There's some remarkable testimonies on God's provision. I mean, remarkable how people have just trusted God and, and enormously blessed. I mean, it's very, very profound. I mean, how God is working today. And it's like you want to be a part of that. Amen. Let's look at 1 Timothy. We've got just a couple minutes. 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we want to follow the ways of the Lord. It says, as for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud or arrogant or contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God. So we can't trust in riches. You have to trust in Jesus. Notice now, he didn't condemn the rich. He didn't say, as for those rich in this world, boy, boy, we need to get rid of them. Some people treat rich people like like they're, they're the problem. Folks, the rich people aren't the problem. Hello, hello, hello. If you're watching me from any country, rich people aren't the problem. You have to decide to do something yourself. As for the rich, don't have them be proud or arrogant or contemptuous. I always liked that book, The Millionaire Next Door. The Millionaire Next Door talked about people with great wealth and so forth, but they never acted like it. Drove a very modest car, lived in a modest place, did modest things, but had wealth. Don't set your hopes in uncertain riches. Put your hope in God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us for, with everything for our enjoyment. Notice this word, there is an enjoyment there. Enjoyment, to enjoy life. But now, let's not get the cart in front of the horse, all right? So you can't just go, I'm just going to enjoy life then, Pastor. No, you need to save first. The saving comes first. The enjoyment comes after that. Can you hear an amen? Amen. You have to get things in order, right? You have to have your house in order. Charge them to do good. Do good. Be rich in good works. This is the Great Commission again. Rich people, do good. Be rich in good works. Be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. Hallelujah. In this way, laying up for themselves the riches that endure forever is a good foundation for the future so that they may grasp that which is life indeed. Hallelujah. Joshua 1.8 says, You shall make your way prosperous. Say, that's me. Say it again. Say, that's me. It's not a prayer. It's not, God's going to make my way prosperous. Didn't say that. But it said, it said, the book of the law won't depart out of your life. You shall make your way prosperous. You shall deal wisely and have good success. Notice the you. This is not a prayer. This isn't the Lord bless me. This isn't like a... See, if that was the case, people would say, well, God bless them. He, he didn't answer my prayer. He didn't do anything for me. No, that's not the case. You and I are the ones responsible for our future, financially. We're responsible. It doesn't mean God can't come through. He does come through all the time. Every day we're depending on Him. But nevertheless, our actions cause us to be responsible. Your decisions. Turn to someone and say, your decisions. Your choices. Your choices are going to lead to your destination. So if you want to have, so to speak, your house in order... Financially, you have to make good choices. Amen? Amen. This is for everybody. People listening to me around the world. This is the same 
for you. The same for you. I read the Economic Times from India. Tremendous newspapers like the Wall Street Journal. Same for you. Same in Africa. Same in other places. This, is, this gospel is the same. This book is the same. His word is true. And it's for each of us. It's for each of us. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? This is good news. See, you can tell you can tell they're kind of soaking in. You say, "In that office, awesome." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I think so. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things Jesus sets us free from is poverty mentality. And hasn't He done that for us? Amen. So I have a couple questions. I know we're up to time, but I just want to address a couple things that I know will be a blessing. You've sure been a blessing to me in my life as my pastor, and uh, the education. And our, how we met and Amen. where we were at is a whole other story in itself. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd like you to say, um, what would you comment about emotional purchases? You know, most people, they buy things in emotional purchases. So, you know, if you feel your emotions in something, I just back away. Especially like buying a car or anything, back away. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how it is. The story says, well, there's only two left. They could go tomorrow. Could be gone tonight. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a ploy. Just, just back away. Mm-hmm. Emotional things. Just, just don't do that. Well, this is kind of the um, same thing, but if you feel that pressure, like you said, if they say there's only two left, then you just feel this pressure, like you have to make a decision by the end of the day. What, how would you address a situation like well, that? Well, really, it comes down to do you need it? Is this something you've been praying about and it is a need? Mm-hmm. Another thing it comes down to is it on sale? Say sale. Sale. I don't buy anything retail. I don't buy anything retail. I buy everything on sale. I'm a coupon guy. Hallelujah for coupons. That was on my list. I don't care. That was next on my list. I save one dollar. One dollar. Hallelujah. It's one more dollar for Jesus. See, people act like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to lose that way. Well, you go live the way you want. But I'll tell you what. We got money in the pocket because of it. So, so you buy the, if do you need it? Is it on sale? Is this something you planned? Well, then if it is, and it's something you're going to, that you're going to do anyway, go, go for it. Follow peace. So, amen. Follow peace. Amen. Because he's the prince of peace on a purchase. You know, you don't want buyer's remorse. Buy something. Oh, I wish I hadn't bought that thing. That was next on my list. (laughs) So, (laughs) so you want to buy something and then feel good about it. Honey, hey, this is great. Celebrate. Amen. Right. So, so. Say sale. Sale. Look for things on sale. Then look for a coupon. See, we're at a place in life I'd never need another coupon ever in my life. Ever. I still use coupons. My kids watch me. Sometimes they're they're just getting things and say, wait, dad's got a coupon. Let's wait a second. They just know (laughs) that. They save you the flyers too. They know they're going someplace. Sometimes they'll stop. Dad, do you have a coupon? They'll ask me. Uh, yes, I do. As a matter it could fact, be a, ten, a coupon could be a ten dollar bill in your hand. All of this is important. Why? Because I know I'm on a path, and the path is a saving path, and that's a that's a good thing. Let me ask you. You could probably bring this up. If you're going to make a decision as a husband and wife, what should you do? I what was thinking that you should talk about it. Amen. Now, some people think, well, she's not going to agree with me, so I'm just I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to go do it. No, then you should talk. Amen. Right. You should talk to your wife or husband about what you want. Amen. 
Two or one. I should have a few more amens than that, but that's important. This is a marriage thing. You should talk to your spouse about what you want. Amen. Because because it's amazing. Sometimes Jeannie maybe hasn't read a lot of financial things or so forth, but then she'll say, honey, I just think we should wait. And I'm thinking, oh, you sure? I mean, we should. We can do this now. We should wait. Okay, let's wait. And then voila, she was right. Hmm. Hey, how many know a good, a good word in your house? If you're married, look at your spouse and say, you were right. You were right. Hey, that's a good word, isn't it? You were right. That's, you're a team. So as a couple, Amen. you know, it's not my money, her money. What is our money? And as a couple, we work together. We sacrifice. We, we pray about things and we make decisions together. Say together. Amen. Hallelujah. Together. Amen. So I'm thinking about all of this and all of this and looking forward, John 10.10. 10. Yeah. So ahead, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said he's come to give us. He didn't, he, this was in the bulletin a few weeks ago. To, he uses adjectives. He didn't come just to give us life. Yeah. He said, I come to give you an abundant, abundant life. life. Yes. So one translation says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, and let's just prophesy this yes. today over, the, over our lives. Yes. I have come to give you an abundant life, everything in abundance, abundance. more than you expect. Hallelujah. Life in its fullness yes. until you overflow. Yes. Isn't that just like Jesus? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. Everything in abundance. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Oh, he lavishes his love upon us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Let's all stand together. Thank you. Amen. Let's stand together a second. Amen. Thank you for abundance. Say thank Thank you for abundance. Thank you for an abundance, Lord. See, we got to see it before we see it. We got to thank you in advance. We thank Thank you for abundance, Lord God. Thank you for your abundance, Lord. Put a hand on your head a second. Lord, we thank you for a financial mind. Thank you for a financial mind. Thank you for financial discipline. Thank you for financial discipline. I thank you for blessing people in this place to think right. People watching. Us, Lord God, you, Lord. to to save, to yeah, invest, yeah. to you, be wise financially you, in the Jesus. name of Jesus. Jesus. And Lord, be through Lord, that you Lord. would be honored, yes. that your kingdom would be enlarged, that yes. the great commission would go forth. Lord, we thank you for this gospel going around the world enough. for your glory and honor. You are Father. more than Lord, enough, I thank Lord. you for blessing people that Praise are listening right Jesus. now. Thank you for touching their lives, their homes, you, their marriages, their pocketbooks. Their, their plans, Lord, that their plans would line up with your plans, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, we Thank give you, you praise. We give you Thank praise you, that you are our provider. Thank Hallelujah. You, Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your provision, Lord Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Hallelujah. your provision and your Thank blessing you, Lord. today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you can hit that button there. You can share this message with somebody else. And uh, encourage somebody else to tune in. This is for everybody. Amen. Amen. You can tell others. Pass it on to family members. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net 
or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.